is Lenore Skenazy, founder of the book, blog, and movement, Free Range Kids, talking with Chris Byrne, who has changed the name of his company. I remember when it was Time to Play Magazine, and now it's... TTPM, which stands for Toys, Tots, Pets, and More, because we're not just toys anymore. We also know that there are 80 million pets in the U.S. people uh, buy stuff for, and... Market opportunity. And a, <laughs> and a bunch of babies, because people, you know, keep reproducing. Yeah. As long as they do, I'll have a job. Right, right. And I understand the pets keep reproducing, too. <laughs> they do. It's almost biological. The reason I called you on, Chris, is because you are two things at once. One is when you write to my site, you're always talking about the old days when you grew up with your brothers, your miscreant brothers who were (laughs) always setting things on fire, generally with gasoline or batteries or both, right? But also you're immersed in the world of today's toys, toys that basically do everything for you, which seems like the antithesis of your own childhood. So just wonder what, what you see in the world of toys today that is reminding you of the old days and what's driving you nuts. Well, first thing I want to say is my brothers and I were good kids. We did a lot of rambunctious <laughs> stuff, but we never destroyed property. Wait, wait, yo, never... wait. Oh, this is whitewashing right now. I You're know. always talking about like socks that were set on fire. Absolutely. And... <laughs> in controlled environments. Well, kind of <laughs> like the backyard, but... Uh, Didn't things go exploding? Yeah, but you have to build a pit. When you're going to blow something up with cherry bombs and gasoline. You need a contained a pit, even if it is under the swing set. And it kind of takes out the swings. But we still have all our fingers and toes, and that's really what matters. Okay. So you had basically a free-range childhood? We had a very free-range childhood. My mother would turn us out of the house after breakfast, and it was anybody's guess where we would go or what we would do. We lived in a neighborhood where we figured out there were 53 children wow. between 3 and 14. My mm-hmm. brothers and I figured that out. Mm-hmm. And you would go to somebody else's house and mm-hmm. they might give you lunch. But it was really very much a community. So mm-hmm. we did things like, you know, try to taunt cars by standing on opposite sides of a street and pretending to pull a rope. <laughs> did it work? All the time. Really? All the time. <laughs> and then what? The great triumph was that they would slow down. They would, they would, <laughs> sometimes they would stop and get out of the car and yell at you. Ah, and then you'd really run away, great. and that yeah. was what you do. Oh, you really? really done it. What a great day. But we had one place, the Mount Salem Methodist Church, that had a wall that was about six feet tall. Uh-huh. It was set back a couple of feet from the sidewalk. So mm-hmm. when you saw a car coming, you'd mm-hmm. pretend to fight and jump off the wall and go like you were going to roll into the street, but stop just short. And if you got someone to stomp on their brakes, then you knew you really scored. And if you did get someone to stomp on your brakes, 53 kids in the neighborhood. 52 kids in the neighborhood. Now we're down to 49 and a half, I guess. It was always good. We knew what we were doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of. For eight-year-olds. Do you see anybody playing that way? I don't. And I say all the time, you know, when was the last time you saw a kid with a cast because they played too hard? We fell out of trees. We smashed our bikes into things. You thought, oh, I can jump from this garage to the next one. And usually you did it. And sometimes you didn't make it? Sometimes you didn't make it. Wow. Years later, when Mm -hmm. my father was near the end of his life, my brothers and I were sitting around telling him about all this stuff. (laughs) And he thought for a moment. He said, you know, I sometimes thought you guys didn't have enough fun. We had to solve our own problems, something you write about a lot, yeah, you yeah. know, within our own social environment. I always talk about how important play is because in play, you learn to control yourself because if you want the game to continue, you can't stomp off. That's really when they learn to sort of self-control because how else can you keep the game going? Give me an example of something from your childhood that gave you a skill. 
Well, I think a lot of the time we would have pick up baseball games. Now, the Byrne family is uniformly untalented athletically. We're talking to one of the Byrne family right <laughs> yes, exactly. now. Okay, yeah, okay. Uniformly untalented. But you'd have to set up your bases. It was deciding on if you were in or if you were out. Oh, right, or right. if somebody hit something, what was fair, what was foul. Mm-hmm. And so it was constantly creating the rules as you went along because if it went into the Carignan's yard, mm-hmm. well, it might be fair, but depending on which side of the Forsythia, it went on <laughs> it might be foul so it was mm-hmm. really it was really creating those rules as we went along and coming to agreement about what the rules were setting parameters and agreeing on them and then mm-hmm. operating within those parameters i think that's a very important skill lesson it reminds me of somebody wrote to my site and said that he'd been at the park with his nephew who i think is about 10 at this point and he was saying oh we always used to play our basketball games here you know it was pickup basketball anybody who wanted to play would come and the nephew asked what if somebody was cheating? What if somebody fouled you out or something? What would you do? And they said, well, then we would just throw them out of the game. And the 10-year-old said, but that's bullying. He didn't understand that kids could organize themselves and come up with something that worked and assume that there had to be an adult there to organize the game and decide in or out, you know, what's fair or not, and that anything other than total acquiescence was wrong. You were being mean. It just struck me as strange, like there was no way of self-regulating anymore. Can you give me an example of sometime when it went really wrong? Well, I think it's fair. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Then part of the fun was fighting. And then you would like, you know, push each other around. And ultimately, you ended up laughing. I mean, we always ended up laughing. Because it's like nobody ever took their ball and went home. Mm -hmm. It was a really good group of kids, too. I don't think people were tormented. You know, there was a cognizance, maybe coming from a big family of different ages, Uh there was a cognizance that you also, even in fighting, you also had a responsibility to care for. Right, and also you had to go home and live with them. You You had to go home and live with them. And we always made fun of the little girl who lived next door. Because why not? Because why (laughs) not? Maybe we're bullying. But her constant refrain was, I'm telling. Wow. I'm telling. Outsourcing morality, we call it. We just laughed at her to tell her mom. And what would her mom do? Just roll her eyes. But, you know, that was the other thing about doing that is that the parents at the end of the day would have their cocktails out in the back and mm-hmm. talk over the talk over the yards Screaming. and find out about, mm-hmm. you know, what the kids were doing. So that's really how they found out. I write about all the time how this has disappeared. Do you have a theory of how this disappeared? I mean, because it really does sound like from another country or another era. It has disappeared because I think people are more isolated now. I think that there's Wait, less... Wait that's what I'm asking. How did we get to the isolated How did we get part? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't start with the answer as the... Oh, I'm sorry. Right. No, No, I'm telling. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm laughing at you. (laughs) Now I'll give you another chance. I think it happened because we became a results-oriented culture. We lost the sense of the process of play as being really important. Nobody called it the process of play. No, it was just you're going outside and you're playing. Right. So kids have certain marks that they have to hit. Where do you see an, an activity without an adult expert? Right, right, right. That's what they say. If you see kids in a park these days, they all have uniforms. And there's always an adult expert. There's right. always somebody telling them how to do it. So mm-hmm. there's always a right way and a right, wrong way. Right, right, right. They're being taught as opposed to just doing something. Right. right. That there's no right or wrong way, at least in, in my growing up. And mm-hmm. I still believe that. There's no right or wrong way. There's just an action and a consequence. Right, uh, right, right. Or a reaction. An right. action and a reaction. So mm-hmm. how did adults infiltrate their way into every aspect of childhood? Starting in the 80s with the Better Babies movement, (laughs) people began being fearful that if their child didn't hit specific marks at specific times in their development, Mm -hmm. that their lives would be ruined, they wouldn't get into Princeton, Mm -hmm. and their life was over. 
And I think this idea that really from toddlerhood, everything you did determined your outcome. Right, right, right. It's that, like that joke of the permanent record. Right, right, right. It really was a permanent record. Really right, was. right, right. I have to say, I have to put a plug here. For, in my book, there's a chapter called Relax. Not every little thing you do has that much impact on your child's development. But we really think that. Like everything they eat and see and watch and do and lick and whatever. Right. But the problem is, is that there's always looking to somebody to validate whatever right. action you're taking rather than mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm going to see what happens when I do right, this. Right, right, right. When I blow up the sock. I'm going to see if my brother Larry really will put the spoon in the outlet. And when he does, right. watch him get knocked across the room. Did that happen? That happened. And how's Larry? Larry's great. Yeah. Right, right. Does he recognize his own name? <laughs> he, he, actually, he actually doesn't remember it. So oh, my oh, other yeah. brothers and I were laughing about watching him being knocked across the living room. Ah, if only there were cell cameras. Right. Imagine the hits. Just imagine the hits. Right. And CPS. Right. right. So we're going to give me an example of something, of infiltration of adulthood into childhood. Were you going to give me a great example? I, I wasn't. But I do think it comes with athletics. It comes with school. Right. That it's really result-oriented. And right. we see that in schools now. It's pe- right. Teachers are graded on the test scores rather on going from point A to point B and how the mm-hmm. child got there. And every kid mm-hmm. is different. Every kid has a different play style. Yeah, yeah. Every kid has a different learning style. Mm-hmm. Um, they fall within parameters, but mm-hmm. every kid's Except individual. the Byrne family. Except the <laughs> right, family, right? right. <laughs> they just fall. <laughs> <laughs> but they... Uh, so I, I think that having these arbitrary marks that kids always had to hit, right. first of all, it stresses kids out because they always feel like I have to hit this or I've somehow fallen short. And also their parents know about it. I don't know if uh, in public schools here in New York City, there's this system where every day you can log onto the computer and see how your kid did that day on any quiz, did they hand in their homework? And in some school systems, I don't think New York City's at this point, you can find out what they took for the lunch. Like, did they take the apple or did they not take the apple? I don't think you can find out if they ate it, but you can find out if they took that or if they, God forbid, took the pudding instead. So you can be embedded in every single second of your kid's day. And there's cameras in a lot of daycare centers and preschools now, too, ostensibly so you can, you know, have the joy of watching your kid. But it's also fear that they're not doing enough or they're not smiling or they're not learning enough. So it really is constant supervision. Right. And there's absolutely no freedom. And kids need freedom in a controlled environment. I mean, that's something that, you know, I talk about growing up in that having freedom in a controlled environment, because Mm -hmm. we really couldn't go that far. You know, we had our Mm -hmm. bikes, but you can't Mm -hmm. really get that far on a bike. You can get pretty far on a bike. Yeah, 20 miles, you know. (laughs) (laughs) How many miles would you go when you were 10? Probably about five. Wow. How about when you were six? When I was six, probably just in the neighborhood. Just right. around in the neighborhood, right, but right yeah. on the sidewalks. There was a whole series in the 80s called Your Five-Year-Old Horrible and Cute and Your Six-Year-Old Terrific and Defiant or whatever. But the six-year-old book talked about just the norms back then. Like, has your kid lost a couple teeth? Can they tell right from left? And of course, they can go within the neighborhood in an eight-block radius by bike or by foot and go to their friend's house and go to the park. And that was just completely normal. It was a throwaway line in this book really about the defiance of your kid and how to get them to eat or whatever. And now... I talk to parents who don't understand it, but they're so terrified. I talked to this one guy who was so scared down in suburban D.C. Every morning, he takes his daughter, seven years old, four houses down, and waits at the bus stop with all the other parents and all the other children. And he said, 
I don't even know why I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like something was embedded in him. He feels foolish. He feels bad for his kid. He feels bad for himself. He feels you know, stupid standing around like cows with the other parents and the other veal <laughs> children. Um, <laughs> and yet he doesn't know how to extract himself from that. He just thinks that he has to do that. And he thinks it's a natural instinct. Obviously, it's not if you were riding your bike at six. But people are terrified that something's going to happen. Something. Something's something. going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You know? Yeah. And we never fantasize great outcomes like right. your daughter makes a new friend at the bus stop mm-hmm. or can walk home it's mm-hmm. always something horrible and terrible right. even though there's no validation for that right 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 now you review a lot of toys that are coming out now right. are there any toys that give you hope there's a lot of toys that give me hope i mean today's 10 year olds have never lived in a world without a smartphone right so the smartphone is like okay yeah you know it's a given it, right it's a given right so we're seeing a huge growth in arts and crafts the whole Mm -hmm. maker movement, and the integration of arts and crafts and technology. There's a product called StickBot from Zing Toys. Mm -hmm. They're about two-inch tall robots that are posable. You use an app to make stop-motion animations. It's very, very creative. Mm -hmm. And there's now one with a green screen, so the app will actually put... Right, you can put anything behind it. But what I see happening is kids creating stuff, Mm -hmm. but then the internet has allowed them to share the stuff. So there's a possibility of building a community Mm -hmm. around a toy with shared interests based on what you can create personally. Mm -hmm. And I think that that level of self-expression is something we lost for a while with the so-called watch me toys where you wind it up, go have a sandwich, Mm -hmm. come back and go, oh, I was having fun. Uh And it's still doing the same thing. Right, it's uh, it's being tickled or acting as if it had been tickled. Acting as if it had been tickled. And I think we're seeing a lot more creativity in that. Jewelry making is really hot. Play-Doh is probably Probably having one of its best years ever. I can't believe it. Regular Play-Doh? Regular Play-Doh. The stuff you want to eat? <laughs> or some of us. Anyway. Well, every time I say it still has the same great taste, you know, Hasbro gets mad at me. Get mad at me, Hasbro. It still does. <laughs> I don't think there's any smell that takes people back faster, although maybe crayons. Crayon. Crayola crayons. Yeah. We'll do that, too. And tempera paints. I don't know if tempera they still paints, paint yeah. tempera paints. Yeah. Do you have a, a smell that takes you back the fastest? Aside from blood in your family. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of blood. My mother used to say, you know, everyone's in bed. No trips to the emergency room. <laughs> right, right, it's right. A good day. Right, another. Play-Doh does it. Crayola does it. Paste. Paste does it. Is there still paste? I don't know if there's still right. paste. Paste might be gone. Short-circuiting electric wires. That's your favorite. We'll do it. We'll yeah, do it yeah, because yeah. it's like you know. Sh- right again. <laughs> arcing, right. arcing things. Right, right, things right. Arc right, that right. smell. <laughs> your brother's hair. <laughs> <laughs> we were rambunctious. We weren't bad. Okay, so the things that you've just described for me do sound creative, and I love the idea of them, and they're the things that I probably would be using because right. I'm a girl, but I don't hear rambunctiousness in the toys that you're describing. There's a lot of Nerf out yeah, there, okay. a, lot, a lot of good stuff with Nerf, with uh, blasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, a for blaster being a, a gun, right? Well, we're not we supposed call- to say gun oh, or really? shoot right. or, you know. This, one releases a One releases a, a projectile. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're shooting a dart. Uh, <laughs> really? But the whole, actually a bullet. A bullet. <laughs> it is. It is a yeah. kind of bullet. But it's it's soft, safe, fun, as yeah. they say. But uh-huh. it really is. I mean, I probably work in the only office where somebody can walk in and fire, you know, Nerf darts into my chest. You know. It's wow. Like, and do they? Oh yeah. This, like, this is new. Check this, this out. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Are your employees happy? <laughs> we have very happy employees. I'll bet. All right, so Nerf, what else gets kids outside? Lots of sports toys. There's still a lot of mm-hmm, sports toys. Mm-hmm. Scooters are mm-hmm. really big right okay. now. The non-motorized ones. Right, The motorized ones are really expensive. Really big year for board games. Next really? year's going to be even bigger because of Pie Face. 
What's that? Pie Face is a competitive game where you actually have to push a button and the person who pushes the button faster smacks the other person in the face with a pie, which Which is just a dollop of whipped cream. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. It's hysterical. <laughs> Wet head, which is a helmet, which was like roulette. You fill the chamber on the top of the helmet with water, and you have like eight straws in it, and you have to pull them out. And if you pull the wrong one out, oh, it's like Django with water. Right, you, okay. get, you get doused with water. Okay, and it's hilarious. Not in the winter. Not, yeah, <laughs> Not <check> outside. <laughs> Mom, really? <laughs> check it out on YouTube. It's really funny. So those kinds of things have created a new market for games. And again, sharing it on YouTube because you're Mm -hmm. creating community. But there's nothing like a game for social interaction. Mm -hmm. There really isn't. For little kids to learn basic social skills, Mm -hmm. for older people to have, it's an icebreaker. Something to do with kids, yeah, because otherwise trying to talk to them, forget it. Yeah, so if you're you're playing Chase, you know, you you got something to do. Yeah. Right. All right, so you're not pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. I mean, I think that kids have this natural curiosity about the world, and they're going to find out about it one way or another. They're, mm-hmm. going, to, they're going to explore it one way or another, and I think giving them those tools to do so is really great. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris, for coming here, and thank you for not sticking anything into an outlet, not blowing <laughs> anything up, not eating any paste in front of me, because then I'd be jealous. It was really great talking to you. And uh, your website is? TTPM.com, and we don't have any Strike Anywhere matches anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go see Chris personally. I'm sure he's got some in his pocket now. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. You can find the Free Range Kids podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Visit freerangekids.com for more conversation, posts, and stories. Follow Lenore Skenazy on Twitter at Free Range Kids.